passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When Ryan when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewinder Rob with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewinder Rob for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewinder Rob for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewinder Raw. I am John Pollock, joined by best wrestling co-host on the planet. Wei Ting, how are you? Oh, wow. Wrestling co-host. Yeah, cool. I'll take that. Thank you. I'm good. How are you doing tonight? You're good? Yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty good. How are you? I, I'm doing well. I've avoided my cold. I think I've officially dodged the illness. So I'm very happy. I feel like I, I outsmarted my immune system. I'm very proud of myself. You got to celebrate. This I did celebration. By, you should run out uh, in the streets with your shirt off. Go nuts. Well, that would not be smart. Then I probably would catch something, and then I'd be not so far ahead of the game, would I? I'd probably get sick. I think you're immune now. I think you're never going to get a cold again. What's your, what's your, like, of common illnesses? I don't want to talk about anything serious, but what's what's the most annoying for you? Like, something that, like, the, is it the flu? Are you someone that really hates a cough or a, a cold? A sore throat. What is the, yeah, a sore throat. Sore throat is the goddamn worst. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's it's with it's you. the precursor to a cold, really. That's and, right. And I try to, you know, as soon as I notice one, I I usually try to like do everything I can to get rid of it. I'll, I'll tell you what's oh. worse though, a canker sore. You know, I when I was younger, I, I would get those. I have not had a canker sore. In years and years and years at this point. But yeah, those were a bitch because it would just affect my entire life. Like just whatever you eat, it would be so – it wouldn't be enjoyable to eat food. It's just an annoying pain that you would have. But that that would rank very high. The absolute worst is the combination of you get like that terrible sore throat, but you – it comes while you're sleeping – and you're not sleeping very well, and you wake up knowing you're you're just sick. You've woken up, and you already feel like garbage. And it's just the beginning of hell for three days. The worst. Well, that's a very specific scenario, but that that's, that's happened not- to me so many times. It's I will be I will go to sleep, and you're feeling a little off, 
and then you just have a terrible sleep and you just know that you feel like garbage and you're just trying to sleep your way through it and feel better. Well, I pray that uh, you don't get hit with one of those uh, this this season. I've just jinxed myself. I've just laid out the game plan for the gods to strike down on me as soon as we're done this show. Um, no, let's hope not. Let's chat about, uh, what do you want to chat about? Where, where should we begin? Um, aside from the usual, uh, it's going to be different. I don't know. Uh, maybe, okay. maybe, you know what? Let's take a break. We'll reset. And then we'll, when we come back, we'll go right into our giveaway. Yes, I get it. Yeah. Should we give away something? Yes. Yes, I think so. Um, sorry, I didn't. I don't know if you're uh, actually planning on doing a bit. Like, should we air a commercial in between or something? No, no, no. I don't think we're going to go to that extent. Oh, okay. I think people got the gist of it. Yeah. This is about it. The, the last minute was about as awkward as some of the transitions tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's give something away. Yes. Every week, we give away a post-wrestling uh, piece of merchandise or a prize pack. Is, is that what is up for grabs this week, Wayne? For the last little bit, it's been a t-shirt, uh, stickers, and a postcard. And a sleeve. Well, ooh, a sleeve. That's exciting stuff. All members of the Post Wrestling Cafe are eligible for this draw each and every week here on Rewind to Raw. So if you're a member of the cafe, and we're going to be discussing what is coming up on the cafe uh, over the next... Uh, couple of months we'll be giving you some some hints at what to expect so now is a great time to join the cafe if for nothing else the chance to have your name read here on rewind to raw as way selects our winner for this week Alrighty, congratulations to terry rodriguez from colorado terry rodriguez yeah terry rodriguez congratulations didn't someone else just win from colorado recently Maybe. It's a big state. Well, congratulations, uh, Terry. You are the winner of the post-wrestling prize pack, including the coffee sleeve. The prize of all prizes. I should really... I mean, that's really the biggest straw, isn't it? It is. It is. I almost feel like uh, Alexa Bliss is slowly just realizing, you know what, I I can't compete with those guys. Just uh, let's dial it down a little bit. Um, Yeah, so that's it. All right. Are we on a delay or something? I don't know if we are. I'm thinking we might be. You're kind of cutting in and out. Hello? Okay. You're... I think we're definitely on a delay. Okay. All righty. Uh, should we restart? Uh, do you want to try? Yeah. Or do you want to just power through this? Um... Let's, let's restart, because your reactions are throwing me off. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, along with the very best wrestling co-host on the entire planet, Waiting. How are you, Way? I'm doing well. Thank you. Wow, best wrestling podcast co-host. That's that's quite the honor. I will on the that. planet. On the planet. Oh, hot, not the universe. The planet. Okay. Good enough. How has your Monday been? been good yeah it's been uh um uh, typical 
I would say. Great weather good. outside. Well, uh, Wei, you'll be happy to know that I have. Uh, I feel great. I think I've avoided having a cold. Oh wow, that's great! It's tremendous news. Awesome. I'm so excited. It looks like it was just allergies, and I, f- I feel wonderful. I feel I could take on the world. Um, that's that's really impressive. Um, what's the the illness you hate the most? You know what I really hate, way. I really hate when I go to sleep and I'm not feeling all that great. And then I wake up in the morning and I've got a terrible sore throat. That's terrible. That's the worst. That, has that ever happened to you? It happens to me. And as soon as I, I get that, have that happen, I try to kill it as quickly as possible. I'll just eat a ton of vitamin C. I'll salt water gargle. I feel like I just talked about this. Uh, I'll do everything I can to get rid of it. Uh, but you know what's worse than that? Um, it's, it's at the tip of my tongue, but I, I can't guess. Canker sores. Oh God. They're, they're the, the worst. The absolute worst. Absolute like, worst. Was, you, but you probably haven't had one in a while, right? That's just my guess. Years, years since I have had one. I don't know what it is. Just is there like crazy. a, a urban myth as to what causes them or is it like, like what, what is the causation? Uh, of a canker sore. You know, um, for me, it's typically like when I bite my own lip. Like, I don't know if you even classify, yes. classify those as canker sores or, or mouth ulcers. Maybe that's the proper term for them. But, yeah. um, like, are they stress related? I, I hear they could be too. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting. Um, maybe, maybe when you get so stressed out, you just like, you know, you're not careful about how fast you're chewing. Or maybe because you're, 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 you're so busy because you're so stressed, you're eating a lot faster. And therefore, higher chance of biting your own mouth. That must be it. It's it's such a defect of the human body. I think eating is is a bit of a defect. You know, a defect. Oh, if you feel, eat in I feel, moderation, I feel like I feel like there there should be a, a more efficient way of getting those nutrients into our, our system by now. Well, you could get an IV hooked up to you. I mean, it's probably not the most ideal. You're not really gonna enjoy getting like an IV drip uh, that will get you all your nutrients and your daily intake. But imagine the time that you'd save. You'd save a ton of time. See, now you're turning into me where I've always ranted about how much more productive we would be if we didn't have to worry about sleeping. And you, and you thought I was crazy. So, and now here you are saying, oh, why do I have to stop? I'm on a roll. I've got to put crap into my mouth. So basically our, in our ideal lives, we would spend no time sleeping. We would spend no time eating. We would just be awake all day, have IVs connected to our bodies, probably catheters as well. Also, we could watch way more wrestling, so we could talk about it on the podcast. What a Sounds what like ideal. Sounds amazing. Well, everybody, I hope everyone out there is, uh, is uh, fully uh, fed and well-rested and are not battling any canker sores. Um, for those of you that are, our thoughts go out to you. All right. It's time to give someone a special post-wrestling prize pack. Because if you're down and sick, this will be your pick-me-up. Winning this prize pack. That is, uh, it, the demand is through the roof. It is eligible each and every Monday here on Rewind to Raw to all members of the post-wrestling cafe where we do this little draw. And this week's winner way is... All right, I'm scrolling through. Congratulations to 
Terry Rodriguez from Colorado. You, you could have really pulled a fast one there and just gone a, a totally different direction. I was waiting for it. What do you Congratulations mean? Congratulations to Terry. Different. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I, I was just, I, I thought, I had a feeling that Terry was going to win, but I was like, maybe maybe I'm going to get a curveball here. Completely My, random draw, man. What do you mean? I, I think of the, I, I think of a name and then I will it into fruition. And this week I thought, you know what? Terry Rodriguez. Is he not from uh, Denver, Colorado? Not from not from Denver. I'm not going to give you a specific oh, address. Yeah. Somewhere right. well, in Colorado. Con- congratulations to Terry. Wherever you are living, whatever area code, you are now the proud owner of a post-wrestling prize pack. Very exciting. Awesome. Um, let That is a natural segue into some of our shows that are coming up this week. Uh, a lot of interesting shows, to be honest. Uh, and, and many without me, which is always a good thing. So... Uh, looking ahead to this week, of course, we have Rewind to SmackDown on Tuesday night. The Double Shot, Wednesday night for all patrons. Then on Thursday, we're going to have the Cafe Hangout, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, live for our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Cafe members. 3 Eastern, Damian Abraham will be on the show. Uh, we'll also do a preview of Fighter Fest, which is coming up on Saturday. We'll also have a new edition of Up Next, out with Braden and Davey. Uh, maybe Davey's live report from... The 90s Nostalgia Party on uh, this past Saturday night, which is getting some heavy criticism way in the media. Really? Why? Well, I read this article today of some people who did not have a good time at this 90s Nostalgia Party complaining about long lines that I had to wait so long to in a line to get a drink ticket. Then I had to get into another long line to get my beer. And then the quote of all quotes, someone in this article, it felt like Firefest. It's like, shut up. Show of hands who on Saturday was at this concert that also was at Firefest. I was like, I was at this thing. I waited in these long lines. They were not that bad. It's like you had to go buy a drink ticket and then you had to get into a line for your drink. And it was not that bad. So I don't know. Right. I did. I did hear that uh, there there was some uh, shortages when it came to uh, toilet paper by the washrooms, but I didn't have to go to the washroom, so this didn't affect me. So maybe that was an issue for others. But man, it was. Come on, we you you were also five minutes away from a giant mall. It's like you were hardly escaping civilian life for the evening. I feel like people secretly kind of want. The Firefest experience. Just so they I think so too. I think if they did another Firefest and advertised it as such, people would absolutely sign up for it. A hundred percent. Or or just like something similar to it, you know? I think people just want to the experience of having being able to complain about something so catastrophic and poorly organized. And I mean, would you say that it was at the very least a a poorly organized event or, or was it no. just decently organized? I wouldn't say poorly organized at all. Like they had yeah. tons of food trucks there. There were uh, tons of um, like you know, they had like the porta potty setups, but there had to have been fifty to a hundred of these things. Um, so I, I don't know if they ran out of stuff. Uh, but man, it was—you weren't even that far from the. You were literally a five-minute walk from the subway as well. It was a good location. Uh, I, I literally had nothing to complain about. And when the thing ended, it was like the most calm filing out that you could imagine. Like there was nothing crazy. No one was being like 
totally stupid or anything. It wasn't like uh, this log jam of people. It was like, okay, the concert's over. Now we're all going to make an orderly exit from this area. It was like, I, I have nothing to complain about it logistically, but maybe I was not at the center of these problems because uh, I was low maintenance. Okay, well, stop complaining. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm just, uh, you know, if, if someone actually uh, had a problem with, like, the bathroom facilities, I think that's a legitimate gripe. But waiting in line to get a beer, this person, one of the people in the article claimed 45 minutes, and I went at, like, the peak of the lineup. I got into an insane lengthy line and waited, I would say, 20 minutes, and I got my drink without any problems. It was like... There's a lot of people here. There's going to be long lines. That kind of comes with the territory. What else is coming up on the uh, schedule? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just I'm just okay. ranting now. No, it's great. Sometimes I flip a switchway and I just go from uh, five to ten. Uh, so anyway, Friday, rewind away. Uh, I am gonna uh, I'm gonna tell you right ahead of time. I will not be complaining about WWF in your house Canadian Stampede. Wait, have you sat down to watch this pay-per-view yet? No, I have not. Just let this one sink in. One hour, 48 minutes. Sounds like a good time. I'd it, wait in line for it's that. It's shorter time. than Raw, and it was considered one of the best WWF pay-per-views of all time. I look forward to it. One of the, the best WWE pay-per-views of all time. Then we get into the weekend. Uh, we're going to have two new editions of Cruel Summer coming out. Uh, on Saturday morning, WH is going to be uh, having his first return guest. Matt McEwen is back to chat about the 1991 final. And then Sunday morning, he will be joined by J.P. Houlihan from the Grapple podcast chatting the 2000 final. And some other shows we have. Uh, Saturday is a very busy day, uh, especially for WH Park. He is going to do a post-show after the New Japan Southern Showdown card from uh, Melbourne, Australia. And he's going to be joined by the debuting Chris Thunder from Down Under. I'm very excited for this one. Absolutely. Yeah. This is the card that is going to feature Will Ospreay versus Robbie Eagles for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. And the main event has Tanahashi and Okada teaming up. So uh, great that we'll have uh, coverage of that show with WH and Chris. And then Saturday night, Way, you are going to be live. Yes, I'll be joined by Davey Portman to talk about AEW's second show, Fighter Fest. This is, of course, available on BR Live. Uh, it's available on Fight as well. So uh, afterwards, we'll be going live for all Double Double Espresso and Ice Cap patrons. So call in with your thoughts and listen to me and Davey break the whole show down. So that is the whole weekend schedule. Uh, you can check out all of our shows at postwrestling.com. And, of course, you can sign up for postwrestlingcafe.com where we have all of our bonus shows this week the double shot rewind away and your chance to watch the post shows live so go check all that great stuff out uh, should we mention our g1 contest absolutely yes so it was a big smashing success last year so we are bringing it back this year it is our g1 climax contest where you can pick the winners for all of the matches uh where is the best place to send people for this way postwrestling.com slash G1. You'll Perfect. find the form right there. You can fill it out, and uh, we're taking submissions all the way until July 4th, Thursday, 11.59 Eastern. So at the stroke of midnight on Friday, July 5th, uh, we will be ceasing to take uh, applications. Yes, so. and it, it, the you can now submit all of your picks 
Um, I imagine by the time most people are listening to this, the Zack Sabre Jr. Yoshihashi match has completed. So you will know for sure uh, who is in the G1 and who is not in case uh, anyone is uh, preemptively going to make their picks before that match concludes. But uh, hopefully it is Zack Sabre Jr. uh, Because if not, I would consider that a a downgrade. All right. So uh, anything else to tackle in-house? That's it for now. Okay. Uh, stay tuned for more about our G1 coverage and uh, and more to come here on the site. It's going to be a busy couple of months coming up this summer. Now let's uh, chat. Just a couple of news and notes. We don't have uh, too much to talk about. Um, I didn't really write about this today, but I did want to get some of your thoughts, Way, on Seth Rollins venturing onto Twitter and making quite the impression on people. Uh, first of all, this started on on Saturday when... There was a WWE tweet promoting Stomping Grounds, and Seth Rollins just wrote, best pro wrestling on the planet, period. And this got a lot of pushback, a lot of wrestlers getting involved. Then Seth came back the following day, doubling down, best pro wrestling on the planet. See that cruiserweight triple threat? And that's just one night, one match amongst the many. Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. You can't. Well, one person decided to reply to this. Will Ospreay responded, I'm alive. And Seth came back. Ah, I'm sorry, little guy. We already have a better version of you here, and he just won his first U.S. title tonight. Congrats, King Ricochet. Keep working hard, though, buddy. And he ended it by responding to someone telling him to dial it down, and Rollins said, Nah, dog. Let me dial it up. I've sat back and watched idiots with no clue talk poorly about the place I dedicate my life to every hour of every day. The level I perform at on constant is untouchable. Time to let them know. So I think we're learning Seth does not sleep either way. Every hour of every day he is dedicating to WWE. Yeah, maybe he's on that IV uh, diet as well. I mean... Uh, this is just was this much ado about nothing because that's kind of how I felt about it. I don't really have a big issue with a guy, you know. Let's listen. The WWE, I'm sure that there were people that were, you know, you're going into this pay per view, it did not sell very well. There was next to no excitement going into this show, and I think you could see that in the performers that they had a chip on their shoulder of proving something. And Seth is. I think he very much views himself. He is the locker room leader, and I'm sure there's many guys in that locker room were happy that Seth was, you know, kind of pumping his chest and defending this company as, you know, there is a lull in this product at the moment. But in that lull and of all the complaints, I don't think there's anybody that looks at this roster and says, these guys can't get the job done. It is in spite of the fact that you have this loaded roster, as loaded as it has ever been, Uh, by sheer numbers and the amount of talent available that I think it's frustrating for a lot of fans that they feel they get a lackluster presentation at times on television with so much talent. And I can imagine that this was just a guy getting his frustrations out. Yeah, I could totally understand that, you know, and and clearly I think of if you see the performances of, of somebody like a Seth Rollins on a weekly basis, he puts everything into his matches. I, I think though, I really do question um, how much maybe he's seen of everything else that's out there lately. 
because I just can't even in like in good faith think that he truly believes that what the WWE presenting on the main roster at least right now is the best wrestling in the world. If I mean his justification of, of what wrestling is is bell to bell action. If he's talking about money, then yes, WWE is the most profitable professional wrestling company in the world. That's irrefutable. Um, but as far as I think critically acclaimed, even like fan acclaimed bell to bell in ring action, there's to me no question that the best wrestling is outside of what you see on the main roster. I think that's irrefutable. So, I mean, maybe this is just, you know, a bit of posturing from Seth Rollins. If he truly believes it, I would suggest that maybe he hasn't seen too much of what else is out there or that maybe he's just kind of delusional. I think that it's it's a guy that, listen, this is a very talented roster that I don't feel, I, I'm sure that there's a lot of frustration amongst, I wouldn't put Seth Rollins in this camp, but of others he's speaking that- speaking for the whole company. Uh, yeah, you're right. He is. And I'm certain that he looks at this roster and thinks that we've got an incredible ta- talent base here. But I don't think that's necessarily showcased on the main roster. And I think John Moxley was a, a major eye-opener for many people. And I find it interesting, the fact that maybe the loudest voice that has kind of opened the door onto this entire system is one of his best friends. And yeah. we take him out of a WWE setting and this guy's one of the hottest guys in the industry at the moment. It, so it says something about the the presentation style that there are so many people that are on this roster that, I mean, they have Grand Metalik that is just sitting there every week. One of the best performers out there uh, when he signed with this company. And you would never know it if you are a strictly WWE viewer. Grand Metalik is just one guy who is on this roster. I, I absolutely can buy someone's argument when they say WWE has the best roster in the world. And I actually would agree. Like, if you include everybody that they have uh, under contract, I think they do have the best roster in the world, probably of any professional wrestling company in history. But Rollins' argument is that they have the best pro wrestling on the planet, period. Best pro wrestling on the planet, including, I mean, just that fucking main event from last night. Like, his main event from last night. Of all nights for him to make an argument like this, to do it on a night when he had to wrestle that style of match, I, I, I just, you know, I can't take this comment seriously. Oh, I don't think, I, I'm not taking it seriously. I'm just looking at his uh, motivation. And you're right, when you're looking at, you know, pick your spots, 100%. Like, Will Ospreay coming off that best of the Super Juniors, and what, what, what New Japan is about to produce over the next seven weeks, um... Yeah, I I think that it's uh not maybe maybe not the the best timing. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if the goal is to kind of like stir up a bit of controversy or stir up stir up some discussion, um I get that, but I think ultimately this just kind of like points the spotlight on how maybe um how lacking uh the, the WWE main roster product is right now, especially when you have that particular main event to compare it you know, things like the best of the Super Juniors, too. Um, I just don't know overall what this really did for Seth Rollins or the WWE. I, I, I think it makes him... I, I think you can look at him in in two lights. One is, I, I think, just to a degree out of touch. Uh, I think that that's a very fair criticism. Uh, but I think that this was mainly him try, trying to play locker room leader, captain of the team, that, okay, 
we're we're on a, a bit of a slump right now, and this guy's going to stand up and defend his teammates. I think that's all this is. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Um, you know, I, I commend him for, for the posturing, but it's not something to be taken seriously. All right. Uh, some other news. Um, th- this would take uh, several shows to go through, but uh, these documents were released from Axios, uh, who had uncovered the the entire documents of uh, Linda McMahon's vetting process back in 2016 when she was uh, – up for the uh, small business administration job in Donald Trump's cabinet. And this is essentially every single controversy that can be attached to Linda McMahon and by extension, WWE all grouped together. And it's a pretty staggering read. This is 21 pages of items. And I don't know if anyone listening to this is going to read this and discover anything new. It's more so just, um, if if John Oliver ever wanted to do an entire season on the WWE, here's his manuscript to follow, and it's a pretty daunting list. And I guess it, it's more in so spite of it all. I mean, she she got through even with all these red flags and concerns. I mean, she got the job, and she was not someone who was really in in hindsight or even at the time really that controversial a pick, given some of other other uh, people appointed by Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's not anything that I think is, is news, um, per se, but maybe more so interesting that, you know, the white house got a hold of this and the white house is aware that crime time were an actual thing <laughs> or that Muhammad Hassan was an actual thing that I, you know, is, is incredibly amusing, you know, like much like that, that John Oliver piece. I think there's a lot that stuff of stuff out there that, you know, it's not news to anybody who's been following wrestling for a long time, but under the 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 kind of eye of like somebody uh, from the mainstream press or, or or somebody outside of wrestling looking at it for the, for the first time, it kind of is amusing to to think about maybe everything that's taken place. This manuscript kind of just read as like you know um just a compilation of like um wrestling message boards like for years and years. Um, a lot of it I noticed was taken from the World Wrestling Insanity book that kind of um compiled a lot of like you know craziness to do with the wwe who, who um, would have thought that uh james gutman might have stood in the way of linda mcmahon getting appointed to donald trump's cabinet imagine saying that 10 years ago that's exactly it yeah um you know but it, it, i ultimately I, I do you think any of what was listed there has should have anything to do with her role in in the cabinet I think that I, I think you can't just dismiss all of these issues with, with WWE because I mean she was a, a prominent executive within this company and she has utilized her her background running WWE as a big reason for you know why she will be successful here in this political arena. So I don't think she can just uh, separate herself from uh, WWE's past. There also is personal things here about Linda McMahon. Uh, that they dig up here. I, I don't imagine this is going to be. I, I'm curious if this gets um, any kind of play, um, to be honest. Like, I think that these are stories that are out there. You can certainly make a story about this, but there's several things here. Linda McMahon is no longer part of that cabinet. She's now moved on and she's running um, uh, a fundraising, uh, like a super PAC for 
Donald Trump. So she's still very much involved, but is no longer in her cabinet post. Uh, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be something that is looked upon and opens any eyes to these stories. And if this is going to have any kind of staying power in the in the news cycle uh, beyond people just kind of looking at this. And it's pretty overwhelming if you are not familiar with a lot of this. Like this goes into everything pretty much newsworthy involving the WWE and every black mark on their record over the past, I would say, 25, 30 years. Yeah, yeah. Basically kind of like um, the Bible of what not to mention if you're the WWE uh, coaching your honor staff. How about Linda McMahon's thoughts on climate change? Was that um, am I am I the only one who thought like this was like the most uh, concerning? Here's shocking. someone that thinks that there's evidence uh, to both sides of the argument. To me, that type of like delusion is not not that surprising, honestly. Like there are a lot of people who are really stupid out there in higher positions of power, or trying to appease um, yes, both sides of uh, both both uh, all voters out there. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a link to this. If you want to look at this, this 21 page, uh, PDF, um, with all of this, including the top section that literally is listed red flags. And there's lots here from, uh, the Benoit stuff, uh, studies that have been done on wrestlers dying young, um, past comments that Linda McMahon made about Donald Trump, uh, both positive and negative. Um, like it's all here. This is like a pretty, uh, extensive look into, uh, the WWE's past. So you ever think about there. like what your own kind of red flag vetting document might look like? Like if any of us were to be put under like a, a heavy microscope for like our entire lives in the public eye or, or even personal lives. I, I feel that if you were running for office, they would absolutely find out what your backyard fed stood for. What all those tapes that might resurface, uh, all your friends that would be contacted. I mean, would that be your downfall way? No way. That would probably get me hired. What do you mean? That wouldn't be uh, the October surprise. What's that? Uh, uh, an October surprise is oh. uh, right before a U.S. election where uh, a major – that's where they, they find the most opportune time for the big scandal and they unleash it right in October to throw off voters and hopefully derail your campaign in the closing weeks. Oh, God. Interesting. All right. Um, also, uh, th- this was kind of interesting. Uh, at the OTT card on Sunday, uh, Walter and David Starr had a match, and it was said to be a phenomenal match. I have not seen it. This was at their WrestleRama event, but there's a spot in the match where David Starr takes Walter's NXT UK title and stomps on it, and uh, I found it to be a really uh, interesting spot, the fact that it, it happened, that here... Walter is a WWE champion with the NXT UK promotion, and he has the title, and this spot happens. And if there's going to be any blowback from a spot like that occurring on a non-WWE-affiliated show. Yeah, really interesting. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder how involved maybe Walter might have been in that. I, I would assume that if, if, if asked, he'd probably say he had nothing to do with it. Um, I think quite the statement from David Starr, um, I love it. I think it's it's a great bit of like it's like totally in line with David Starr. Feel, feels uh, to, real, yes, yeah. And maybe Walter is going to have plausible deniability that he had no idea it was going to happen. That would 
maybe be his best course of action if he is reprimanded for this. But I, I'm curious if it would make WWE uh, more hesitant when it comes to guys that especially are champions going off and uh, how much um, how much leeway they are given. Walter is on a unique deal where he is not exclusive to WWE. So, I mean, he does have uh, certain abilities to go do shows that others do not. But the fact is he was there with the championship and I could certainly see them being pissed about this, even in this day and age, because in another era, this would have been a massive story. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The rest of your news, you can go to postwrestling.com, and that takes us into raw from Monday night in Everett, Washington. And it started off with Seth Rollins coming out and the crowd was getting into it, chanting, burn it down. And he starts to talk about stomping grounds when Becky comes out and Rollins credits Corbin for trying to do everything in his power to win the match on Sunday, but he was not smart enough and he had the best backup on the planet as um, Rollins and Becky had some awkward flirting before Rollins got into his promo here. I think they're so, they are so awkward on screen together. And I mean, again, maybe you just kind of chalk it up to them, like maybe having a tough time, like being comfortable showing their their affection for one another. I I don't even know what they would do, but it, it feels incredibly forced. And you know, you really would not buy that. These two are, were a real life couple when you see their awkward chemistry on screen like this. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, may, maybe a credit to those on, on total Bellas um, that are in a more natural environment that it comes across uh, much different because yeah, it it seems very awkward between these two. Becky then cut a promo on Lacey Evans, and then Baron's music plays, and Lacey comes from the crowd and jumps Becky from behind as Seth is just watching, and then Rollins pulls off Becky, who shoves Rollins, and then goes back to attacking Evans. Corbin runs in. Everyone fights. There's a sling blade to Corbin. Beck exploder onto Evans, and then Corbin tells Rollins that he should go home, hand over the title, and then go put an apron on at home. And he says he would be the universal champion if not for Becky. Evans is the only real woman. And he challenges them to a mixed tag match anytime. And Evans proposes extreme rules. Becky accepts. But after they lose, they get no more chances at their titles. And in return, Seth says they will accept any stipulation they lay out. So Baron says it will be winners take all. So both the universal and raw women's title will be up for grabs in this mixed tag match at Extreme Rules. Yeah, yeah. Is this a first? Um, In a mixed tag match, yes. They have done tag matches before where singles titles have been on the line, but this would be a first for the mixed a mixed tag match with a men and women's title on the line at the same time, I believe, in WWE. Um. I I hated hated the way that they got to this last night, but I do like the mixed tag idea. I, you know, putting the belts on it, I understand you want to make that feel like the main event, which it probably will. Um, it does probably telegraph the finish of it though, but you know, I I can excuse it because you have to kind of make the main event feel feel big. I I feel like WWE has found a lot of great success with mixed tags over the past several years. Uh, you know, of course, like Ronda, um, you know, Nikki Bella. Uh, even the Miz and Maurice, 
I think it's something that appeals to a casual audience, both men and women. And, you know, I think this was definitely the right call. Um, I like that they announced this match so early. I think a two-week build is a good amount of time for it. Maybe it might even be too much. But, you know, hopefully they can do some creative soap opera type stuff for people who enjoy that. And I think there still are. Uh, whether it's good or bad, I mean, it remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I feel that as singles matches, these two feuds have been very disappointing for me. Um, we'll see if the mixed tag dynamic uh, improves that. I think that it it should be laid out well enough that I think that having, instead of doing 18 minutes of Rollins and Corbin or 15 of Becky and Lacey, that if you have a 16-minute match with all four, I think it, it'll flow better, I hope. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me being optimistic. And oh, it will. I agree. Yeah, so anyway, it seemed like the crowd, they were relatively into this. And again, it's three weeks. And then I think they're pretty much telling you these feuds are over at Extreme Rules. And I don't think anyone will be upset to see everyone move on. I mean, I feel like we are kind of in a position like on the schedule where they have to fill all of these cards. And, you know, one of the ideas is to go this mixed match route. Um it's not really giving any anything major away. Like, look at what they've done. They like dragged out a Baron Corbin feud for what three pay per views. They've dragged out a Dolph Ziggler feud for two two pay per views, and then we're getting like probably Kevin Owens again or or something like that. So they're really stretching everything that they have here and trying to be as creative with it as they can. As far as that goes, I think the mixed match route is is not a bad one. So at the end of this segment, they teed up like a bunch of matches for the show. And the final one, which is coming up next, Daniel Bryan, Rowan, and The Revival versus The Usos, Big E, and Xavier Woods. So uh, credit to WWE. They hit the number four uh, for the wild card in the very first match. Well, I mean, tag teams don't really count, right? In fact, the New Day is supposed to be three people in one. Okay. So they're only... So Big E, Xavier Woods, and, and Kofi on this show were considered one. Yes, I think so. Well, Kofi and Brian also, and Rowan are one. Kofi has also said that as as champion, he can appear whenever he wants. So there's that, too. All right. We, we say it every week. This has to be the end of us counting. I stopped counting I've, yeah. uh, on this show. Yeah. It's too hard. Uh, the Usos came out and called them Little Rascals, who I thought were on impact, and SpongeBob and Patrick. Um, just watching the these four uh, teams make their way out, there was a lot of talent in this match. God, I was looking forward to this. Like yeah. I, I like to me, this was you know kind of like going by the New Japan Playbook of like uh, putting your individual programs into a tag team. And in this case, it was like you know like probably your four four of your best tag teams, if not the four best tag teams in your whole company. Uh, so I was actually really looking forward to this match. Uh, the crowd was again chanting for Daniel Bryan tonight, and. They teased Brian starting with Xavier, but then Dawson tagged in immediately. So Brian was on the apron and it almost kind of baby faced Brian. Like everyone wanted to see him. And it was the revival uh, kind of out healing Brian and Rowan in this. Um, Brian went for a suicide dive minutes later and Xavier Woods was nowhere close. And he just took out Scott Dawson with the suicide dive. 
and then hit him uh, Woods with a missile drop kick going back into the ring. And Wilder nails Brian from the floor. Woods rolls up Brian, and he is eliminated. And both team members are eliminated. So Rowan's gone. Crowd booed this elimination. And then Woods immediately goes for a springboard off the middle rope into a shatter machine that looked really cool. And he was eliminated. So now we go to commercial, and Michael Cole announces, we will reset after the break. So that seems to be their wiggle room around these commercial breaks is we'll just have resets at certain times uh, to break up the action. It was really interesting for me going into this episode of Raw to see how they might address the issues that I think a lot of people had with the awkward two out of three falls in elimination matches from last week. And this week, boy, was it interesting to look at how, how much mental effort they put into making excuses so that they can make commercial breaks. It like all this elaborate bullshit, including this one where, you know, essentially this is a revival versus Usos match, but to fit an extra commercial break in there, we'll throw the new day and Brian and Rowan in there, have them wrestle some bullshit match for two minutes and then get them out of there just so we can do the match we needed to do to begin with. Um, it was amazing to me. Um, (laughs) You know, in the end here, what what really did you get out of it? Like you had Brian and Rowan and um uh what was the other team? Um the New Day take unnecessary pinfalls. I guess they got to show their faces in front of this Washington audience. I'm sure they were happy. I don't know how happy they were by the end of it though, seeing two minutes of Daniel Bryan and especially Daniel Bryan losing. To me, like this really built up my expectations for like a hot eight man tag. But instead it just like it kinda killed my vibe. By the end of it. And that was the case for a lot of this, like these matches that they were pulling all this bullshit with throughout the night. So they come back from break and the bell rings to, first of all, the Usos deliver a dive as soon as we get back from commercial. And you're thinking like, did they just start it? But then they get into the ring and then the bell rings to signal that the match has resumed. Yeah. This is going to take a lot of getting used to. And I can't imagine being live in the arena, what this was like. Um, Wilder ducked a super kick, then lifted Jimmy onto his shoulders, and the Revival hit a Steinerizer onto Jimmy. Then they went for the power and glory spot with the superplex into the power into the splash. So Dawson completes the superplex, but uh, Wilder gets stopped on the other corner, and Jay is the legal man. So as Dawson delivers the superplex, Jay comes off the top with his own splash and pins Dawson to win the match. So it... It seemed to me like they were teasing issues between the revival with both Brian and Rowan and then having the Usos pin them again, which is the program that will just never end between the revival and the Usos. So I don't think I don't know what su- the direction is. I don't think you were supposed to get anything with revival and Brian and Rowan. I think that they only took that pinfall because they needed to get them in this out of this match to justify the commercial break. And that's where I think they're overthinking this thing way too much. And in the process, everybody's taken pinfalls, unnecessary pinfalls on on your TV TV show. Uh, you're 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 kind of like you know leading people into thinking that there might be feuds when they have no plans for said feuds. It just all so that they could fit a commercial break in because somebody decided we no longer want to take commercials in between matches. If you're gonna do this, why not just have the entrances go to break? come back with the match that you're supposed to come back with anyway. These people are having three-minute matches anyway, so why not just, like, just give us that, but in a proper form without all this stupid manipulation? 
I will say that I did feel the pacing was better on this show. I uh, completely disagree. This was like, I thought this show dragged, you know? I don't, uh, do you feel differently? I didn't think the show dragged like most weeks. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just me then this week, but man, I just, I felt it this week more so than last week. I think because you also knew that you weren't going to be getting two or three segment matches. Um, yeah, and- instead you're getting a bunch of shitty little three minute matches that mean nothing. <laughs> like you're, 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 you know, at the, at the very least, tell, show me what you promised me that you were going to give me. Instead, it's like, man, like just the amount of shenanigans that they tried to include here to justify these breaks was just amazing to me on this show. Later on tonight, they're going to do a tug of war between Braun Strowman and Bobby Lashley. So they show Braun pulling a 17,000-pound tractor trailer outside. Yeah, yeah. Impressive. That's heavy. The Miz is walking in the back to get ready for Miz TV, and in the background is Abby. Yeah, yeah, they've been throwing those little Easter eggs. So no Firefly Funhouse tonight, but we did get cameos from that, uh, from Abby in the background, as well as the... Um, Mercy? Mercy, yes, the buzzard. Ms. TV features our truth and Carmella. Truth has a new 24-7 t-shirt, and they showed the wedding footage from last week. Everyone cheered, and Truth explains he can't go to the grocery store or picnics because of this title. People show up at his house now dressed like the police claiming his music is too loud and his car is on fire, but he's too smart for that. I mean, th- this guy is a comedic gem. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's great. really He was really funny here. And Carmella explains that it just shows how much this title means to our truth So out comes Drake Maverick, and he said that winning the title was the biggest moment of his career, and then our truth ruined what was supposed to be the biggest moment of his life with his wedding. But instead... His wife won't speak to him, won't go on their honeymoon, and they haven't consummated the marriage. So Truth suggests he use fiber because he thought he said his marriage is constipated, which led to a chant of constipated. Not a high moment for wrestling fans. He wants a rematch to win back the love of his life, and then he clarifies That's the title, not his wife. (laughs) And Miz says that the other competitors are banned from ringside if R-Truth accepts this match and R-Truth tells Hornswoggle he accepts. So we get a 14-second match between R-Truth and Drake Maverick after the commercial break. Yes, yes. And he won it with whatever this is called, the lie detector, the little Jimmy. They didn't have a name for it, but he used it several times on this show. And... Michael Cole got so tongue-tied as he, uh, oh, maybe that was later when he regained the title. But uh, he wins, and he is a seven-time champion. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the whole 24-7 crew come in as soon as the match is over to chase Truth out, out of the building. And the camera stays on Drake Maverick. Charlie is in the ring and asks Drake, where do you go from here? And he is in tears, and he walks out. Yeah, He's lost everything. So, you know, like, I mean, this whole thing really, like, seems to be a bit of a backdrop, I think, for a longer Drake Maverick storyline. And I'm, I'm really happy for him. Like, he he's basically pitching his own material, and it's getting 
the higher ups interest and it's getting the audience's interest as well. And not only is he like, you know, writing himself into a, a prominent storyline now kind of turn, turning into a prominent role on Raw, um, his wife might even get involved. So like the guy's taking full advantage and, you know, I wish he, he was able to have a bit more of a match, but I, I do get it in the WWE kind of realm. He's he's just a civilian. He's just a manager and a GM and shouldn't be able to, you know, go up against a wrestler. So after that segment, uh, we went to Lacey Evans with Baron Corbin in the back. She wants to be women's champion, and they state how Becky is Seth Rollins' kryptonite, and Corbin says, maybe we can become the new power couple of WWE. So they're kind of hinting here that, that Baron's got some feelings here for Lacey Evans, and it's probably not reciprocal. I don't mind it. You know, I hate these two on their own. But I think when they're together, it adds a, an interesting little dynamic between the two of them. I think it just makes them a bit more interesting. They're a very weird pairing, but we'll see over the next couple of weeks if they can um, find some chemistry together. Um, it seems like that's how they're going to have to build this up. I feel like these two might end up having better chemistry on screen than Rollins and Becky. Maybe they will. So then Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon came out to take on Roman Reigns. And Mike Rome announces it's now a two-on-one match instead of a handicap match. And I think Corey Graves was as confused as everybody else uh, because the difference is you do not have to tag each other in a two-on-one match like you do in a handicap match. They should have just said that. Like, who? Like, oh, my God. Like, for they're about to go to a pay-per-view where every match is about to have a stipulation. And... Just like, man, there's just way too, it's just way too complicated wrestling. <laughs> Reigns knocks down Shane, but they eventually just get the advantage. They attack Reigns with the steps on the floor. They have the advantage. Shane does the Roman pose and spears him. Then he's hit with the Claymore and Shane is setting up for the coast to coast dropkick. When the Undertaker's gong hits, the lights go out and the Undertaker appears. A genuine surprise on this show. And he chokeslam Shane, drops Drew with a boot, and sends the other to the floor. Uh, I thought this was the best use of The Undertaker. 30-second spurts. And he will look great here. Everyone went nuts. And they're going to do a tag match at Extreme Rules with The Undertaker and Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre and Shane McMahon. A genuine surprise. You know, not teased at all. And I, I have to give them a lot of credit for not promoting it beforehand, as tempted as uh, as they probably were, I'm sure. You know, um, I, I, I like it that we still get these kind of like, you know, creative decision surprises over, you know, maybe tease surprises that are kind of more, you know, looking for ratings. You know, this is certainly a feud that was getting very stale, two, three pay-per-views in, and... You know, it, it needed something like this. Taker, as whole, old as he may be, I think being interjected into a feud like this totally livens it up with a great deal of star power. And if you're the Undertaker, like I can understand, you know, wanting to, to jump back in very quickly to erase the memory of that last match in, in Saudi Arabia. So he's, you know, he's already in shape, and I think in a tag team setting, he can be reasonably protected. So uh, it's a great get for Extreme Rules. Yeah, I think. I think even in a tag setting, I think, I think there's still, um, you know, he's going to be in there with, I, I think Roman and Drew should be doing 
the majority of the work in the match because Undertaker and Shane in 2019 uh, could be horrific. Um, I, I don't know if you want to see Undertaker in a big singles match, but it certainly begs the question if this is designed to lead up to something like Undertaker and Drew at SummerSlam. Uh, do you see this? Uh, do yeah. you see Undertaker getting something like that for SummerSlam and maybe Drew getting a really big win at SummerSlam? I think they're in a bit of a panic mode right now, and I think they can use all the star power that they can get, especially for a show as big as SummerSlam. So I would definitely um, think that Taker would, would probably want, you know, be on that show. And I think, you know, if it's not going to be Shane, it'll be against Drew, obviously, because he's already faced Shane. So, yeah, I like that match. Honestly, like, Taker at this point really just needs somebody who can jump high enough for a choke slam, And I think Shane... And should, and should be in relatively... Short matches. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know how how um, Taker picking up Drew for a tombstone might look like. I would I would be a little bit nervous about that. Um, but the chokeslab he could do to, to both those guys. Uh, for, for the 45 seconds he was in this, I mean, Taker looked fine here. Yeah. Yeah, got a good reaction. Was a surprise to everybody. So that is, uh, those are the top two matches for Extreme Rules that were announced on this show. Bobby Lashley was pulling a phone pole outside, and he broke the rope. Okay. Impressive. Wow. So we got our tug of war. They were in the ring, and they were attached to the rope, and the goal was to pull either one over the line. And Braun was pulling Braun right up until the line, and then Braun stops, smiles, and he yanks Lashley over the center, and then Lashley loses and just beats the hell out of Braun, throws him into the corner by the shoulder, and that ended our segment here. So maybe they're going to have like a, a strongman competition of matches, uh, different activities at Extreme Rules. Like a strongman match? What would that entail? They could just do like um, like a whole competition throughout the show, like moving trucks and... I don't know, beer kegs or whatever. They could just do that instead of a wrestling match because I don't want to see these two have another wrestling match. Right, yeah. I like the I like the bit on TV, you know. it's This wasn't a match, but I thought it was just kind of like a bit of like old school, you know, like story building. Different from your usual match. And by the end, I thought it achieved like a good amount of heat for Bobby Lashley. Charlie was with AJ Styles and... <laughs> Charlie asks him how it feels to be back. And then AJ starts to talk about his recovery and Charlie cuts him off saying, I don't really care about your recovery. <laughs> what do you think about facing Ricochet? <laughs> she just cut this guy off. It's like, she's, she's had enough. Like, I, I don't care about this, this story. And then as AJ's talking and giving this bland answer, he hears no way Jose's music playing. And there are Gallows and Anderson dancing with the conga line. And AJ walks over. He's annoyed at them, says, you guys have a match tonight. And says, what happened to the team I knew in Japan and the team that won championships? And this continues uh, AJ playing the uh, the stern father to Gallows and Anderson. Yeah. I like how, you know, to kind of explain that Gallows and Anderson haven't been taking their career seriously. They felt the need to script them leading a conga line to show how wild and reckless they are. <laughs> Just entering random conga lines, these guys. It's not like um, they were caught, like, 
smoking pot or somewhere there they were like drunk I like lo- found with like strippers or something oh, no God, they were no. they were in a conga line well here's the thing it's like you know this it, it's a storyline about a guy wanting to see his underachieving friends reach their full potential i think that's great but it's all being filtered through the mind of an eight-year-old and you know like what does an eight-year-old think of of uh somebody kind of you know being reckless and uh, losing sight of, of what's serious. You have them join a conga line. I I just, you know, I, I don't really think you need to, like, I feel like it's being simplified into, like, that that of a cartoon. Um, don't it's don't you a- remember what one, one of AJ's, like, points he made to Gallows and Anderson two or three weeks ago was? He asked them, when was the last time you guys were even on Raw or even on television, period? And... Now they're on TV every week. So, to me, th- this is a this is a positive. Whatever they're doing, they're getting on the TV. They're facing reputable teams every week now. Yeah, sure. Um What is that? They're mean? losing, but they're on TV. I mean, it was AJ's point that you guys aren't even on TV. Now they're on TV every week. So you're saying in Storyland they sh- AJ shouldn't say something like that. I'm just saying like they're they're making Giant leaps in terms of their visibility. Now they just got to win some matches. So, what do you think? Advancing. The, yeah. Do you like the story? N- not especially, but I, I want to see where it's going first. I think this is leading to AJ turning and joining these guys. I think he's already joined them, hasn't he? Like, it's not like he's a heel. And I don't think Gallows and Anderson mm. are really heels either. I, I think they're going to join together and do something like. Maybe they're going to beat down Ricochet before the pay-per-view or something because you don't have the idea that they're all on the same page. And I think AJ as a heel with these guys, um, this is going to – these two are going to be the bridge to turning AJ heel and then AJ being officially with these guys. But that does that mean Hunter's going to be a heel as well in Japan? No. Friday won't count except for the Kabuki Warriors Okay, and the Iconics. Yeah, we'll see. Anderson Gallows took on the War Raiders, and Anderson attacked Eric with a lariat. This was a sign of him taking things serious, a lariat. And then they hit the boot of doom, and Anderson started attacking him, to which Graves called his offense machine gun-like right hands from Carl Anderson. Ivar gets the tag, and he did a cartwheel and sent Gallows to the floor, followed up with a suicide dive as Eric blind tags himself in, and they hit the Viking experience Onto Carl Anderson at 322. I thought this was effective. You know, I thought Gallows and Anderson were able to show their potential as a serious team with a bit of a mean streak, um, even though they lost. And that that was the whole story. And I thought it was effectively conveyed. You know, even the Viking Raiders, I feel they're definitely in the background right now. Um, but here they're still able to at least rack up a win and showcase themselves to a crowd. Alexa Bliss was backstage with Nikki Cross, and Cross is apologizing. She says she lost control on Sunday. It's her fault she lost to Bailey. Bliss says how people how Bailey manipulates others to feel bad, and Bliss implies that she wants Cross to leave her alone so she can figure out a plan to get a rematch. And then after the break, Cross is with Natalia and Naomi, and they're warning her about Alexa Bliss. They shouldn't she shouldn't be trusted. And they know how this ends. And 
Bliss walks in, accuses Nikki of talking behind her back, and they all start arguing, which leads to Naomi challenges, challenging Alexa for a match later tonight. Yep. That's about it. Heath Slater and Mojo Raleigh sadly did not get underway. They were in the ring, and then R-Truth showed up from the crowd. He's being chased by everyone, and it just led into a series of title changes. Uh, Kalisto got back body dropped onto everyone on the floor. Slater is left in the ring alone and hits a reverse neckbreaker and pins R-Truth. Then EC3 takes Slater, gets topped by Mojo. Slater tries to avoid Titus O'Neil and Eric Young, backs up into the ring and gets hit with the lie detector, and R-Truth regains the title. This was where Michael Cole had his own match with his tongue. Cedric Alexander ran in, hit the lumbar check to pin R-Truth, and then Mojo runs into the post. EC3 hits the one percenter from behind and pins Cedric Alexander. He's leaving with the title. Carmella grabs the title. He's distracted. R-Truth rolls up EC3, and R-Truth escapes with the title. He's like a 5,000-time champion after tonight. Yeah. Nine or, or 5,000. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, I think a lot of people would, like, probably hate this stuff. And I think if they continue to do the same type of thing, like, six months in, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it either. But I, I think tonight it, it worked. You know, it was captivating. And they've actually really captured quite a bit of the audience with this R-Truth 24-7 gimmick to the point where, like, people see him come out and they cheer. Like, it's been working. And this was a segment where you wanted to see who who would leave with the belt. At least, you know, I think the people live did. So I, I think this was all successful. I, I think that the strength of it has been R-Truth and Drake Maverick, like the more clever stuff. I'm not as big into these segments where you just do a million title changes. Um, but I mean, I mean, in the end, l- like, look at the format, though. The format is now just just short, like bite sized segments. And this title fits in perfectly with what they're doing now on TV. Absolutely. Yeah, you could even do it multiple times throughout the night. I think the you know the the joke is by the end of this whole thing, like our truth is probably going to be like chasing a hundred title reigns. We're going to get the first hundred time champion. I uh, he probably will be in in no time. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Ricochet. He doesn't want this feeling to go away. He calls AJ Styles a trailblazer, and he's going to prove he is worthy to hold this title tonight. He sounded fine, you know. He's just like, he's kind of like the WWE's new little guy who's kind of light on personality. Like, you could tell Vince is probably just looking at him as, like, another Paul London or, like, you know, Brian Kendrick type of guy. I hope he sees him him higher than that. You would hope. I hope so, too. But, like, everything about, like, his character thus far is just telling me, like, here's, like, their next cruiserweight who's trying to, you know, their their next little guy who's stepping up to the big leagues to um, get a shot. Kofi was showing stuffing pancakes into his belt, and this is where we saw Mercy the Buzzard in the background here. So these little props were set up for those paying attention. Charlie then starts to interview Kofi Kingston in the ring when Zayn and Owens interrupted, saying her questions are terrible, and they tell not Renee to leave, as they call Charlie. Owen starts asking him questions. Why are you here? Who do you think you are? Why don't you get the hell out of here? And Kingston points out a zit 
on Kevin Owens' head. Zayn then calls him a paper champion. Kofi makes fun of their friendship, how they're constantly going back and forth, whether they're friends or enemies, whereas the New Day are brothers and a bond that no one can break. And he reminds Owens that he beat him at Money in the Bank, just like he will beat Sam Zayn tonight, and then tosses pancakes at them before we got Kofi and Sami Zayn in our non-title match. Yeah, um, you know, I wondered if they were going to do this as Kofi's next challenger, Sami Zayn, but I guess it's not necessarily big enough for that. Owens and Zayn are right back to being the setup guys. (laughs) Get, get, Get the guy ready for his real program. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michael Cole had this stat that Kofi has held a title in WWE. I guess if you add up every single title reign he has had for 1,500 days. That's a lot, I that's, guess. Yeah, that's quite the stat. How many, that that, how, how that many would be years? like five years of titles. That he's had. Champion for five years. Wow. Does that sound ridiculous? Has he, How long has he been in the company? 12, 11 years, right? Yeah. So for five of those 11 years, he's held on to a belt. Like, I remember New Day had the tag titles for like a year. But I don't remember any other like crazy long title reigns this guy's had that would make up five years worth. Well, there were a lot of belts. So... Yeah, it must be. I guess so. So anyway, um, that's a hell of a stat. Sir, yeah. Um, Who's going to go back and count to fact check it? Uh, Someone will. Archivist, go for it. Yes, yes. Give us the the entire uh, Olympic cycle of Kofi Kingston title reigns for us. Uh, So... Early on, Kofi tried for a trouble in paradise. It got avoided. Went for a schoolboy for a two. Owens attacked him behind the referee's back. Kingston came back, suplexed Zayn into the corner. Zayn hit a Michinoku driver, then a springboard into a boot from Zayn, and then went for a suplex, but it got turned into a cover with Kofi stacking Zayn for the win. Eight minutes and 12 seconds. Without a commercial break. They I, went 8-12. Eight, eight, I was perfectly satisfied. Like an eight-minute match. I thought it was more than enough to kind of tell your story. Um, I bought the finish. Like it felt like a hard-fought battle, and then somebody won. I, I thought this was satisfying. I thought this was a good TV match. And they didn't I have to go to commercial. I don't think it's a bad idea that your TV matches are not going to be your big blow-away 20-minute matches. I think that it gives you an extra incentive for the pay-per-views that you're going to get the big blow-away match. And... I don't think TV has to be like, granted, you have a format that really you are a slave to in the sense that filling three hours is tough, but you've also got a bigger roster than you've ever had before. And there's no shortage of guys that are anonymous on the main roster that you can be filling out on these shows. And I'm not opposed to shorter matches if there's a rhyme and reason for it. If you told me like every quarter of hour of Raw was going to contain an, an eight minute match, commercial free. Your problem's fixed. That's all I I want. You know? That's it's really all you need. You can come back, maybe kind of do your video packages and whatnot, have the entrances, go to break, give me eight solid minutes of match, and then take your next break. I'm perfectly happy. You got a good show. You don't have to play like, you know, come up with these like stupid scenarios. Oh my god, like the, uh, this guy came out. He, he we gotta restart the match. We gotta stop the match for five minutes and then go back. It kills momentum. So but- 
Yeah. You and I might disagree on on the pacing of the show, but I'm with you that it was incredibly clunky on this show. Like all these restarts and and stuff like that. I will say though that eliminating wrestling during the breaks, I think it can be something that helps the structure of this show a bit. Because three hours is very long. And I think that they they could have something here that is more manageable. Um For sure. That it, yeah. I think it, it just takes some tweaks. Week one was not a home run. I, I don't totally doubt, give you. That. I don't doubt that. Like you know, the like putting commercial breaks in between a twenty minute match. That's probably an imperfect scenario as well. So yeah. they're very right, probably to try to address that. I don't think what they're currently doing is the solution, though. I think there's a much more simple answer to fixing that problem. Um, I mean, just like look at how they used to do wrestling. Look at how anybody else used to do wrestling. Because commercial breaks aren't a new thing in professional wrestling. Most wrestling shows you watch, like, it's not across the board, but, like, a lot of other wrestling shows, like, they don't have that commercial break, unless it's a really long match, and then you're, you're kind of forced to, but, I mean, a lot of other companies get around it, and I think that, like, I don't think you, with this amount of people on your roster, and so many people don't even get TV time, I don't think you need to be doing a 20-minute match every single week on TV with and kind of exhausting some of these guys so that a Seth Rollins match, I think some people take that for granted when you're seeing them go two, three segments most weeks on TV. Save it for once a week, once a month. I agree. I think it would make a better show. I mean, I also understand that they probably want to have their stars on TV as long as possible. And that usually means maybe, you know, 20, 30 minutes at a time. Um, I just wish that they would come up with ways other than, like, bad matches, essentially. You know? Either having the matches be there for too long to no effect or just, like, false starts like what we've been getting. It's very difficult. Like, I I enjoy the NXT format that, you know, there will be weeks where you might not see one of the big performers, but then he'll, he'll be on like week three of a like four week taping cycle. And maybe you'll get the undisputed era in a 10 minute tag match main event, but you're not getting the big takeover match, but it's very different. Like NXT is not on the USA network and they don't have that pressure to make sure like it's all their internal viewing statistics that they don't have to make public. And they're not kind of held to that and have to be serving all these other masters. So it it's, it's a formula that, when you take it in-house like NXT, you, you can be a lot more... You can have a format that suits you that much better. But it does make TakeOver feel so special when you get to those big matches and you get to see the big 20-minute match. Yeah. Uh, after, the, after the loss um, by Zayn, Kevin Owens cuts a promo. He doesn't think Kofi is a great champion, and he challenges Kingston on the spot. So we go to a commercial break, and then we come back... And Kofi and Owens starts. Owens immediately goes for a swanton, lands on the knees. Then he hits a super kick. There's a back body drop to Owens on the floor, SOS onto the ramp. And then Kofi just rolls into the ring and the bell rings. And he's won by count out at a minute 36. Uh, What? Again, like I don't see any reason for any of this other than to put Kofi on for another segment. And the reason... (laughs) That it was Owens, I get... Uh, my mind's about to explode. Because there's so <laughs> many things that they can't do because they don't want to hurt this guy, and they don't want to hurt this, but they don't want to take a commercial break, but then they have to put this guy on TV. 
it's oh. just such a a mess of of things like so many masters that they have to serve that in the end you end up with this that it, it, it where you know you get a match that that has no reason to take this place. This was just like, what was the point of this? There's no, had no reason to take place and had no finish. Um, Kofi looked stoot, like weak, you know, winning by count out. Um, anyway, it's not even worth dissecting. I, I, I don't need to think it's like, you just saw two guys on TV and, and that was it. My frustration is you just did that great job with Owens and Zayn against the New Day the night before. That match wasn't even brought up here with Kofi. And... It was just like they, they were right back to their regular spots, Owens and Zayn. It was like, why, why even put them over the night before? They're right back to the spot. They're not figured in for anything. It's like these guys just, I feel, get like I think, the absolute worst. I think we could see that like for, for certain people on the roster, maybe like an Owens and, 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 and Zayn, they're not really thinking like that long term. It's like, what bodies do we have to get through this, this show, to get through all of these segments? And they just happen to be the ones tonight. Yeah, it's like these guys I just think are in this eternal utility role, and it's uh, I think they're they're much better than that. But it's just anyway. like the unfortunate thing of what they're attempting right now, like with with having all the matches contained in, into a segment. That means everybody's gonna have to take a fall every single segment that you have a match, and that means a lot of people are going to have pointless losses on this show. So Kofi has disposed of Owens and Zayn. He's going up the ramp. He's got his back to the entrance. And Samoa Joe runs out. And, man, the vision of that third Dolph Ziggler match going the way of... Uh, he got like, snapped. This was like the end of Infinity War, way. And I was like, oh, my God. It's gone. <laughs> I was so happy. And Samoa Joe laid out Kingston, ran him into the stage, Uranagi. And then the officials are tending to Kofi. Joe comes back for more with the Coquina clutch. Yeah. Joe got, Joe got, uh, look at this. Owens and Zayn go over the New Day clean. They, they go two steps back. Samoa Joe loses his United States title. He gets elevated into the, a main event program with Kofi Kingston. There's I'm not no, complaining. There's no point in tracing like that logic anymore. It's just like. I think we should just be grateful that like Joe is is in this prominent spot. You know, we we wondered if he would be going up against either Rollins uh because he is technically a raw guy, but I guess they're going to have him challenge <laughs> that doesn't for, the, matter. for the SmackDown title instead. Yeah, I don't even care. Like I like it. It's a fresh match. Moves Joe up a notch. Unfortunately, I don't see Joe uh being a victor here and, you know, I, I just see kind of hit him him being another person for Kofi to beat. But I can't complain because I think hopefully the match will be good. And Kofi beating a very strong Samoa Joe will be a really strong win for Kofi. I think they could get... I, I think this could end up being Kofi's SummerSlam opponent. I think they could get two pay-per-views out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down for that. Do some like violent beatdown at Extreme Rules. Um, well, you're going to have to do the gimmick match first. Yeah. I, I, they, they really didn't tease anything here. As in terms of a, uh, of a direction to go with a stipulation, hmm. so we'll see what they do. Uh, then we had Naomi versus Alexa Bliss. Very short match. Uh, Naomi did her splits with the leg drop, then a baseball side drop kick to Nikki, and then as she was climbing back into the ring, she's like mouthing off to Nikki and is distracting herself and gets hit with a DDT and Bliss pins her. I thought Naomi looked really foolish here. And 
Then Alexa grabs Naomi and is shouting at Cross to hit her. And Nikki is hesitant. And she finally shoves Naomi as Natalia runs down. No one is going to shove Naomi. <laughs> yeah, the shove was too much. Yeah. That so. plus we also needed a commercial break to set up a new match. Yeah. That's why yeah. she ran down, really. So we come back from break. We get an impromptu tag. Started, and there was a full Nelson by Naomi onto Bliss into a Bubba Bomb and got a two count. Natalia was in, tried the sharpshooter. Bliss then tagged out. Cross ran Naomi, uh, Natalia into Naomi, sending her off the apron to the floor and followed with a running bulldog. Natalia kicked out of that. High cross from Nikki. Then the spinning neck breaker by Nikki. And Bliss had tagged in, so she takes the cover at 441. So the idea that they're pushing is that Nikki did all of the work and Alexa got the pinfall at the end and she is using Nikki Cross. Right, including Nikki like inadvertently distracting Naomi in her singles match. Yes, right? Yeah. I I found the crowd really dead when they came back from the commercial. And this was like one of those instances where I think just like there was no setup for this. The crowd had just seen Alexa and Naomi wrestle, and it felt like they were restarting the match for zero reason. And I don't know how much the crowd wanted to see this thing even continue. Um, I also feel like they kind of lost the crowd on this story tonight. Whether if it's just the fact that it maybe it took a little too long to execute it, maybe it was the commercial without no action that killed them, or maybe it was just kind of poor storytelling. I don't know, but I, I just didn't find tonight's chapter getting that big of a reaction. I would love to hear from anyone that attended, uh, whether it be Raw on Monday or that goes Tuesday to SmackDown, but especially Raw, of how the live crowd dealt with like the breaks in the match, like having to have those gaps during the commercials where you're not just having the match continue onwards. Like, what kind of toll that takes on the crowd by the third hour where they're getting all these kind of breaks in the action? Yeah, like I think live, that would be very frustrating that you just have these constant three-minute pauses to the action. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing during those breaks, if they're trying to uh, they cut promos or do anything to keep the audience engaged because having nothing, I, I think that, that'll wear thin by the third hour on these shows. The theme song for Extreme Rules, When I'm Gone by Dirty Honey. Great. That took us into our main event. Ricochet versus AJ Styles, non-title match. These two had a singles match back in 2014 for House of Glory, uh, which the entire match is actually on YouTube, if you want to go look at it. Um, Commercial Commercial free. free? Yes. 25 minutes. Uh, Early on, there was a kip-up by Ricochet that AJ stopped and put a, a headlock on. Anderson and Gallows walk down, and AJ gets pissed. He goes up to them, and he starts yelling at them. Then he goes to get a microphone because he's worried that Anderson and Gallows might not hear his uh, his indoor voice. And he tells them that they're not going to ruin this match and sends them to the back. And I thought okay. this was... He specifically said, this match will not continue until you leave. And wouldn't you know it, that was a perfect time to take a commercial break. Yes. God. Uh, like, so the pa- lengths that they're going through just to fit these breaks in is, like, imagine the mental effort that this creative team had to put in to come up with stuff like this. 
Hey, I, I give them a prize oh for coming up with so many different scenarios because I cannot imagine how difficult this is to come up with stuff. Um, so the part of my brain that is used to watching this program would have thought, man, Gallows and Anderson are running in at the end of this to help AJ, and he's aligning with them. But the new version of WWE, this was literally just to set up the commercial break so that when we came back, the two are squaring off. The referee signals for the bell, but no bell rings. So we get the unofficial restart to a match. Uh, this is where I'm starting to really contemplate just dropping, timing the matches. Uh, this fucking match went 17 minutes and 17 seconds because I'm not breaking this stuff up into part one and part two. I'm not going to that extent. John, you you deserve a medal, honestly, for having that stopwatch for, for a show like this. I don't know how you do it. You know, you know what was the best tweet? And this guy has a lot of them. RJ City. I only wrestle during commercial breaks. <laughs> oh, he's the best. He's a must Dude, follow. He is like maybe my favorite wrestler follow. I will go as far as to say he's probably the only good thing about Twitter at this point, <laughs> especially wrestling Twitter because he's really it's great and terrible. Uh, yeah, elsewhere, I, but, I'm with you. I'm RJ with you. City is a gem. I will keep Twitter oh. just to follow RJ. Man, he should maybe he'll be our one follow on our post wrestling oh. account. I'll do it right now. <laughs> one follower. So they're trying to out wrestle each other. Um, first, it's they're they escalate into strikes. Styles lands a Pele kick, and he's also been cut on the bridge of the nose. So there's a bit of blood here, and then. Ricochet hits the Fosbury flop onto AJ, which I found interesting because AJ was the first guy I ever saw do that Fosbury flop. So as much as Ricochet does it, it's the move I always associate more with AJ Styles because I was blown away the first time I saw that move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did mention how uh, Ricochet used to look up to to, uh, AJ Styles, and this was a, a good example of it. Now, I think the audience, they did pick up near the end, but... I'll say, like, they were not all that engaged in this match. Well, what do you expect, John? Like, they came back from a commercial after standing there for, like, five minutes. Can you imagine seeing, like, I'm just trying to think the most anticipated match in recent memory for me. Like, like McGregor versus Aldo, okay? Imagine they, you see McGregor versus Aldo, you see the first round, and then for, like, the next five minutes, they just stand there, and they do nothing. And then they restart the, the fight. It's... And the problem is, this wasn't at McGregor versus Aldo. Granted, this was a match I was looking forward to, but this was also three hours into Raw. And by the time they got going, I knew it was just going to be another match because there was, what, like seven minutes in the, in the, in the broadcast? Um, it just killed the crowd, whatever they were trying. Maybe they're going to institute timeouts. Each wrestler gets two timeouts a match or something. I would prefer that to this. It's pretty much what it is. It's a timeout. Only it's the... The production that is calling it, not the wrestlers. Yeah. So there was this double down after a spinning back fist from AJ and a step up in Zaguri from Ricochet. Light chant of this is awesome. Styles caught Ricochet with the inverted DDT. Uh, there was a cabrada by Ricochet. They're going into near falls, picking up the intensity. Ricochet goes for the 630. AJ's out of the way. And AJ catches him with a forearm from the apron, follows with the phenomenal forearm, and AJ pins him clean. At 17 minutes and 17 seconds of total time. I, I don't even think that's... Like, in reality, the second, the last segment was the total time of this match. 
but whatever that was. AJ picked up Ricochet by the hand, handed him the title, held his arm up, so they had the mutual respect at the end of this. Uh, seems like this is going to set up a title match now for Extreme Rules, which I'm not complaining about. Uh, I thought that they set the table well for this. For the, This was like a good TV match to set up a pay-per-view match to kind of go all out in um, in Philadelphia. I'm certainly looking forward to the pay-per-view match where hopefully we get like a solid 15 minutes of, of these two just like doing what they clearly couldn't do here because, I mean, I agree with you. It was great, but what all the all the stuff with Gallows and Anderson in the commercial just really killed this crowd and I think totally ruined the atmosphere for this match. So that was raw. Um I didn't hate this show as much as I feel you did. Um I I think that there is certainly a lot of adjustments. Like it was again very, very clunky. Some of these start and stops that um I think they can make a much better formatted show and still have this this new ruling. And I almost feel like there's going to be a Monday we tune in, and they've just thrown this rule out the window. I could very well see that happening. I expected that this for, for this Monday. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 you know, clearly, like, this is some direction, whether or not to appease Fox, who knows? I'm not sure. This is a problem that exists that they are going to try to find ways to fix. They, they're trying. They're trying. Um. I don't think this was the solution. And it to me, it greatly affected so much of these matches because so many of these matches I thought were actually going to be okay. Like, I was looking forward to them. But by the time we actually got to the meat of them, they they just felt, like, either repetitive or, like, they were happening for no reason because of, like, just, like, the, the most strangest of excuses. So it just felt like a weird show in the end. Taker was I certainly crazy. had that feeling. Um... Oh, God, Will Ospreay's just responded to Seth Rollins. I don't know if I have the capacity for this. Um, Listen, I I like the fact that, listen, numbers are down. They are trying things. Uh, The degree of success can certainly be argued, but I prefer it than just simply coming out with the same show and the same thing we've done all the time. I mean, they are throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. And I do feel that this show... The, the pacing for me was was better on this show, and I'm curious if it has any impact on the number tomorrow. And also, basing the whole show around Ricochet and AJ in that main event slot, if that has any staying power for people throughout the show. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Let's read it. Will Ospreay says to Seth Rollins... Okay, first, this is Seth Rollins' tweet. I mean, if you want to talk numbers, we can compare... Bank accounts, two. P.S. That's counting a month off with a broken back, buddy. Will Ospreay says, You love adding stuff, don't you? I mean, the original question was, Find anyone else alive who does what I do as well as I do as often as I do it. No talk of money. No talk of ricochet. You said anyone. Here I am. Just as consistent. Just as good. Hope the back heals up. I think Will Ospreay's come across better, which is not usually what you say at the end of a Will Ospreay Twitter exchange. Yeah, uh, you know, clearly Seth is still online because his last tweet was four minutes ago. So maybe we'll 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 get a response by the end of the night. Man, this could go all night long. Who knows? Well, uh, let's go to the feedback. All right, let's see what everyone uh, has to say about this show. Uh, what are you giving this show away? Five. 
a 4.82 from everyone. So, man, they the, the forum thought beneath what you thought way. So, not strong. I wanted to drag it up. I actually saw the rating before. Okay. Paul from New Jersey. At 8.05 p.m., we would learn that there would be at least six wild cards. Utter madness. I don't think anyone cares. Absolutely nobody. I mean, they pretty much dropped that. uh, Much like I think they'll probably drop whatever they're trying this week. Everything they're they're trying, they're just like probably going for it for like a month. And then hopefully everybody forgets about it afterwards. Like other than the titles for each show. But the brand split's over. Yeah. It's over. you, you, you can tune in to either show and expect to see every major star. Whether you do or not, there's but, the possibility of it that you're not going to miss anybody. Even the titles aren't really brand exclusive. You got some Mojo probably challenging for the SmackDown Championship coming up. Yeah, so no, it's, I just it's mean done. it's the fact that we have two sets of titles. I would love to see these titles just disappear as well and just uh, contract them. He says, uh, I do, however, have to say that tag team elimination match was an absolute barn burner. Rowan has really stepped up his game. It's not breaking news that Brian is brilliant, but I think something has to be said for the work of Rowan as well. There isn't a feud I care less about than Roman and Shane. Seeing Grandpa Taker is just sad at this point. It's not enjoyable watching him struggle. I think he was like pretty protected in that kind of situation tonight, and the audience got into it, and I think um, genuinely surprised by it. He says, I did enjoy the show tonight. I thought it was real fun for the most part. Uh, He goes on to say... For the question on everybody's mind, does Carmella turn her back on R-Truth for the highly coveted 72-21 championship? Maybe at some point, yeah. I think that's probably the tease. Um, not quite sure why she hasn't yet. Clearly, she, she's had many chances. I like those two together. I, I hope they don't split them up. Well, she could win the belt and still be tied to him, I guess. We go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, So last night you guys talked about something that made me think. Samoa Joe losing the U.S. title was a push, and it did turn out to be true. Tonight's main event showed how pointless some mid-card titles were. The match itself is great in concept. You have this grizzled veteran who wrestles a similar style to this young up-and-coming guy who looked up to said grizzled veteran. AJ played the pseudo-heel, which is fine in matches like this because he's the experienced veteran and main eventer. The problem is, AJ's not the champion. Ricochet is. Ricochet should be going in as the favorite, and he shouldn't be the underdog, but he is based on his position on the card compared to AJ. I know this has been done for ages, but with your comments last night in this match, I definitely think you sh- they should get rid of the US title on top of all the obvious unifications that are needed. The IC title has some nostalgia, but I long for the days where it was a stepping stone, and when you become a main event guy, you never went back to it. Speaking of trying to be a main event guy, I like that, that Kofi is getting strong wins, but I wish he would face more people like... Owens and Zayn. AJ. Oh, sorry. More more people than Owens and Zayn. Oh, okay. Uh, AJ writes, after last night, Lacey Evans has more title match losses than singles match wins. Wow. Anyway, amazing how the whole big heel Shane buildup has led to The Undertaker. My guess is we get Taker and Shane at SummerSlam. I pray to... I don't think they can. That would be so horrendous. I think that match now... Um, really enjoyed the main event, although I think Ricochet needed the win more than Styles. Does this club story lead to Gallows and Anderson turning on AJ? Uh, I threw out my guess. I, I think it's the opposite. I think it's going to be AJ eventually aligning with these two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a lot of people not happy about The Undertaker coming to wrestle again. 
We got a Jay from Colorado who says, uh, when I think of how much TV time will be devoted to the build to Shane versus Taker round two, it makes me really sad for all the young, unused talent who just want a minute of TV time. I'm so glad guys like Gargano, Dream, and Cole haven't been called up yet, but it's just a matter of time. Well, listen, they need ratings draws and proven ratings draws. And we know like we've complained about like Band-Aid solutions, um, but they're kind of desperate right now. And I, I think there's room for guys like The Undertaker if it's not in the main event, I don't think this will be the main event. No, I think that that mixed tag is going to go on last at Extreme Rules. I think yeah. that's going to be the number one match that they promote for that show. Um, and then Noah from Vaughn saw this on Twitter. It really caught my eye and is one of the reasons I have such a tough time watching the WWE right now, especially because I enjoy logic and reasoning. Okay. He's just, I don't know what this is. It's just like a conversation from Twitter. I don't know. Sorry, Noah. Um, that's all. Okay. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. Yeah, awkward start, awkward end. Perfect bookend. That's that's what we do. Yeah. All right. We are going to sign off. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We are going to be back on Tuesday night with Rewind to SmackDown and chatting what they do on Tuesday night. They didn't announce anything tonight for SmackDown, did they? I don't think so. So uh, we will see what what continues. It'll probably be a lot of the people you saw tonight. We'll be back uh, tomorrow night uh, in Portland where they are scheduled. All right. Uh, That is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will speak with you on Tuesday night.